Hey boss ladies, welcome. I am your host, Jasmine Marie, the lady behind the mic of the brand T with Jasmine Marie podcast and the girl behind the desk of JM Print and Designs. Thank you for tuning in as I spill this tea about branding, the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, and shining the spotlight on some dope black women creators and entrepreneurs. So grab your favorite cup, fill it up, and enjoy. Welcome back, boss ladies and gents. For those who may be listening, thank you for tuning in. Today, we are talking about a serious topic. In 2022, approximately 287,850 women in the United States will be diagnosed with breast cancer. One in 10 women are diagnosed with breast cancer under the age of 45. According to the Journal of Clinical Oncology, African Americans make up four to six percent of research participants, while fifteen, while representing fifteen percent of individuals diagnosed with cancer. Hispanics alone represent three to six percent of trial participants, while making up thirteen percent of those diagnosed with cancer. Okay, so let's talk about it. I wanted to bring someone special on this episode to really break down some information and give us understanding about this disease called breast cancer. Say hi to the audience, Jess. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor and a pleasure to talk about a subject that I am so passionate about. I mean, every day I'm in the clinic seeing many individuals impacted by breast cancer. It's not only women, but it's also their families as well. So I just want to say thank you for this opportunity to explore this topic even more, Jasmine. So yeah, today I have Jessica Jones. She is the founder of Stand Up to Breast Cancer. And how's life been? Life has honestly been really good. I mean, Stand Up to Breast Cancer, it's, you know, slowly starting to blow up. People are starting to notice me. And it's just been really good to do something that I'm passionate about. It doesn't feel like a job to me. It really feels like I'm passionate and mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm going to be a change agent in the breast cancer and the research community. So I'm excited. Right. I know that's right. But yeah, Jess has been doing her thing. In 2007, she was the recipient of Temple's University University's College of Public Health Outstanding Community Service Award as well as a 2019 honoree for the Philly Fights Breast Cancer Gala. Not only that, but she received her bachelor's degree in public health from Temple University, then obtained a second degree in nursing from the University of Pennsylvania, and lastly, but not least, a master's master's degree in public health nursing from the John Hopkins University. You are doing it, honey. You were just making moves. Girl, I'm trying to. Like, I really strive to be successful. So, you know, it's not easy, but definitely something I just know I want to be successful. So I'm either going to go for it mm-hmm. and just put everything in it that I want to do. So. You're not you're not trying it. You're doing it. You, you're doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> but, yeah, let's get right into it. So you have been working in the nursing field for 13 years. What made you want to work in this field specifically? You know, honestly, it was when I worked as a public health nurse in North Philadelphia. I was the HIV navigator. And, you know, I would see women coming in and they would be diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And I became close with one of them. But it seemed like the women in North Philadelphia were disproportionately being diagnosed with breast cancer uh, higher than other areas of the city. Mm -hmm. So 
me being the inquisitive person that I am, I was like, well, why is that? And right, so right. that question of why led me down my path to research. And, you know, I wasn't, I didn't get into breast cancer research immediately. I did other stuff in Baltimore with older adults, but eventually I was led back to breast cancer research, which mm-hmm. was my initial question. Why is this disproportionately happening in the African-American community? Right, 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 right. So, you know, you mentioned that you're working with breast cancer patients. So in your current today, you are working with individuals in different stages. So can you break down what is breast cancer and some of the symptoms? If people don't know out there, you know, because I don't want to assume that everybody knows who is listening, but let's break down breast cancer and what it is. Sure, absolutely. So breast cancer really is an overgrowth of cells in the breast tissue. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, it forms cancer. And so some of the symptoms that someone might have is typically the first thing is sometimes they'll feel a lump. And Mm -hmm. that lump could have been there for a while, but they may feel and be like, hmm, something is different. Sometimes Mm -hmm. there can be skin, skin changes and it can look like a rash. Sometimes there can be actual fluid coming out of your breast. Mm -hmm. Sometimes your nipple can be inverted. So Mm. there is, you know, a variety of symptoms, but it's so important for us females to do our monthly breast examinations and become familiar with what our breasts feel like. I feel like those monthly examinations, they're not talked about enough because Mm -hmm. even before getting into this field, I'm not going to lie. I did not do those monthly breast examinations because I said, I'm too young. It's not going to happen to me. Right, 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 right. And I know I have to do better with that. I know I'm in my 30s, but it's never too late to get, you know, started and start while you're, you know, you're younger. So that's a good thing to start doing is just, you know, really taking those self-examinations and just really paying attention to your body and what is going on. But yeah, so how is breast cancer diagnosed? Absolutely. So most of the times when you know, people may feel something or even they're just going in for their screenings. It starts out with a mammogram. Mm -hmm. And typically the recommendations for a mammogram is for individuals who are 40 and older. But if you have a family history of breast cancer, you can get it, you know, a little bit when you're a little bit younger than 40. And so if the mammogram, if it, if there's something that they see that looks to be abnormal or something that doesn't seem right, Mm -hmm. then they'll call you back in and they'll schedule a biopsy. Okay. Now a biopsy is a thin needle that goes inside the breast tissue to look, to get a really close examination of the cells. A pathologist is a doctor who specializes looking at cells and they Mm -hmm. will determine if the cells look cancerous. And so once that's done, then that will be the determination as to whether a person has cancer or not. Okay. So I know you mentioned that, you know, getting a mammogram, you know, um, is the first step, but being that breast cancer, a lot of women are diagnosed under the age of 45, you know, one in 10 women are diagnosed under the age of 45. So why is it, or why do you think that it can't, you can't get a mammogram at an earlier age. So say if a woman is 38, like why is that specifically or why do you think you have to start, okay, when you're like at least 40? Right. I think those recommendations have just been in place. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's maybe kind of arbitrary, but I know that some things are changing. So for example, if you are a woman who tends to have dense breasts and Mm -hmm. 
you know, you're at a higher risk for potentially having breast cancer. You Mm -hmm. can get your mammograms done early. But, you know, for younger women, people don't even really think about that because they think that it's something that happens when you're older. And I've known patients of mine who were diagnosed when they were pregnant, but they were younger. And the doctors were like, oh, it's just a clogged duct. And they didn't, breast cancer was not on their, um, their radar. Hmm. But it was after that, after they delivered, that the, the lump didn't go away. And then they did a biopsy and it was breast cancer. So you really have to be an advocate for your own self. Mm-hmm. And knowing your body, like we talked about, Jazz, it's mm-hmm. so important because doctors will say, no, it's this, it's that. Mm-hmm. But you have to really be an advocate for your health and investing yourself to really fight for, you know, the screenings and things that you need for to make sure you, you don't have breast cancer or if you do to get connected with the right people. And that's a good point that you mentioned is just being a, you know, advocate for your health because, you know, as black women, there are so many things that we have going on physically and it's crucial that we just take those necessary steps, even if it's something small that we didn't see before, like a rash. Okay. So it may look like a rash, but we need to actually take the necessary steps and say, okay, well, let's, let me go check it out. Let me call my doctor and say, Hey, this is something that's going on. I don't know what it is versus brushing it off because the more you brush it off, who knows what it could be, you know? And then later on, it's like, it's too late. You're dealing with a disease, you know? Absolutely. And you know, it's, I'm so glad that you said that because a lot of black women who come into my clinic, they already have advanced stage breast cancer. What I mean by that is that the breast cancer has spread Mm. to organs outside of their breasts. And Mm -hmm. I feel like as a black woman, we're always the ones who are like trying to take care of everyone else. But it's so important that we learn, okay, if we're going to be able to take care of others, we need to put ourselves first and make sure that we are living a healthy lifestyle. We are Mm -hmm. going for those checkups, following up with things because, you know, if we don't do those things, you know, it's just, we're going to get sick and we're going to die. And I think that's why we see a high mortality rate too among African-American women. Right, right, right. So can you explain like this different stages? Like, can you break down the different stages of breast cancer? Sure. So stage one, it's really where it's, you know, you might find a lump that might be maybe one centimeter, really like a dime size. Mm -hmm. And then Stage two and three is where the lump is a little bit bigger. And then you may have some involvement uh, with lymph nodes and lymph nodes are found under your armpit. So, you know, you find, might find like a, you know, like a, feel like a ball is underneath your mm-hmm. armpit. And then stage four is when, okay, not only do you have the breast cancer in your breast, but it's also in, it could be in your liver, it could be in your lungs, it mm-hmm. could be in your bones. And so when it's stage four, there's no cure for that. We really just try to manage somebody's quality of life and symptoms when it gets to stage four, but Mm -hmm. stages one, two, and three, they definitely are curable. Right. But just, you know, stage four, that's basically like, you got to set up a plan, you know, talk to your family, because then at that point we don't know, or you don't know potentially how long you can live. Right. Absolutely. And I, I will say with breast cancer, there are women who are living and thriving with it for many years. Absolutely. But, mm-hmm. but sometimes you do have aggressive breast cancers, like triple negative breast cancer. Okay. 
which is commonly found in the African-American community that are really aggressive mm-hmm. and, you know, you may not live as longer. And that's just, that can be said for any type of breast cancer, but triple negative we know is more aggressive and there's less treatments out there. Okay, got it, got it. And that's that's something that I didn't even know. But yeah, thank you for that. So back when you were studying at the University of Pennsylvania, you fell in love with clinical research. Can you break down what is clinical research and the importance of clinical trials? Absolutely. So clinical research is basically studying investigational, investigational drugs. And what they're trying to do is trying to figure out if this will improve the disease, mm-hmm. if it will improve somebody's quality of life, or something called the disease-free survival. And so basically, you're testing these drugs to see if this will actually work with helping to fight breast cancer. And, you know, when people tend to hear research, there's a lot of misconceptions about, am I going to be treated like a guinea pig? Or mm, is this going to be, mm-hmm. you know, like Tuskegee? And we, I, w- I, I will say we have come so much so much further than where we were. And I feel like in clinical research, you're really given quality care because we're always asking about the side effects and really monitoring you closely. But it's important because, you know, if you've taken Advil or Tylenol, Mm -hmm. all those things have gone through clinical trials. But if there is not enough diversity or representation, how will we know that these drugs that are marketed for breast cancer work for Hispanic, Asian, African-American women if they're not represented. Right, right, right. So being that, you know, African-Americans make up four to six, we make up four to six percent. And Hispanics represent three to to six percent of the trial participants. How can we make sure, okay, we have more Hispanics and more African-Americans represented? Absolutely. I think one of the things that I've learned is that simply the healthcare providers just aren't asking right. if you want to participate in a clinical trial. So one, I think, you know, if you are getting treated, at, if no one is asking you, ask if there's a clinical research trial that you're available um, to participate in. Two, I think there needs to be education because as I said before, there's so many misconceptions out there. And I think we really need to go into the communities and really educate and also have that dialogue and figure out, okay, why aren't you participating? What are the barriers? Because in clinical trials, not everything is paid for. You still have to come out of pocket and pay for things. So we need to make clinical trials more accessible Mm -hmm. to people and the cost associated with them too. I mean, it is a lot. So I feel like it's education. I feel like the uh, protocols that are used to create these research trials, they need to be changed because, you know, there's a criteria for you to be enrolled in the trial and some of them exclude you if you have diabetes or Mm -hmm. high blood pressure. And those are things that predominantly affect um, minority populations. And so if you Mm -hmm. have those things, you may be automatically not allowed to participate in the trial. So I think it goes to a lot of things. And also, you know, talking to high school students when they're younger to get them Mm -hmm. exposed to research. So that way, you know, they can tell other family members, Hey, this is what I learned about research, Mm -hmm. but we've got to be boots on the ground and be in the community and talk with them. And I feel like sometimes researchers are so far removed from the community that 
they're not really understanding what the barriers are. Right. And and I was doing a little bit of my research, my own research. And you touched on, you know, if if a patient is dealing with, you know, other health issues, they're basically removed or even given the opportunity for clinical trials. And it's like, okay, nobody has a clean slate. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, we have to really figure out a way. How can everybody participate? I know each, I mean, each individual is going to look different from the next person, but we really have to do better and just get in more minorities, Hispanics and African-Americans really into clinical research, especially if we're the number one, you know, absolutely the number one individuals carrying breast cancer, this disease. Like it has to be another way to really get us in there. Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting when I have like a African American patient on trial, mm-hmm. I feel like their eyes are opened and they they're like, Wow, I didn't realize research was like this because every step of the way I am with them, whether it's Mm -hmm. coordinating appointments, if we're figuring out how to manage side effects. And if they were not on a clinical trial, they would not have as much support. And people don't realize that. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm like, you know, yes, you have, you know, the treatments that we know have worked, but we also need to be incorporating research into the treatments that are working too. So we need to be asking all the time. Right. And you know, there's bias when it comes to healthcare providers because sometimes they just look at the color of your skin and say, no, I'm not going to ask them. And they even feel like, you know, if they do have a patient who may be black or Hispanic that we can't afford it. Like it's an automatic. No, like if you're my doctor, I need you to give me, all the information that I need to know in order to get through this. Okay. If I have breast cancer, okay, you need to give me some information on what exactly I need to do to get me, you know, through this, not automatically eliminating me because you have this assumption in your head. Okay. She may not be interested. Cause I know what, as black people, we do fall short in information and just really educating ourselves and research, just education, period. Like we would just assume, okay, because we hear it, that's just what it is. But no, you really have to be an advocate for yourself. Okay, if you need some information, you need to go look it up. Okay, you got to find that information. Just don't have somebody in ear telling you, okay, this is just what it is. Like really ask those questions. Okay, if I'm having those symptoms, okay, so what type, okay, if I'm having a symptom, what do I need to do and take to take care of this symptom? That's not even just breast cancer, just let alone, it could be pregnancy, it could be, I mean, if you have the flu, it doesn't matter, like if, like, if I have something going on, I'm going to ask questions, like, I'm just not going to be ignorant to the fact and accept everything, that's why sometimes we have to take or get a second opinion or third opinion, because there are some doctors out there who may not provide that information, you know, to us. So yeah, it's definitely just asking, very important to really ask those questions and be an advocate, you know, for our own self. But yeah, I really want to see, you know, things changing, the numbers of us being represented and, you know, clinical research. Absolutely. The FDA has made a charge to try to increase uh, minority participation, which is great. But Mm -hmm. I just feel like, you know, we need also 
more people that look like you and me involved in um, research and also, you know, as like as healthcare providers, we need people who represent the people that we want in clinical trials. And, you know, there's so much mistrust because their doctors may not look like them, that they're like, you Mm -hmm. know, I don't want to participate in the trial. But I feel like if there are people that look like them, they may be more open to participate. So that's why, like, I really want to get there and be like, hey, I am an African-American woman, Mm -hmm. a research nurse who stands by clinical research and can see so many great things that are coming out of it. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So, you know, being that, you know, black patients are never often, you know, given an opportunity to be a participant in breast cancer trials. So if someone in particular really wanted to take the necessary steps, what would that next step look like? You know, how can they, you know, find that information? Like, what do they need to do in particular? Absolutely. So if you are just interested in finding what types of research are available, whether it be for breast cancer, prostate cancer, mm-hmm. blood, blood, high blood pressure, diabetes, whatever, there is a national website called clinicaltrials.gov. And that is a whole database that provides information on pretty much any type of health condition um, that's out there. And also, it's not only research studies that are within the United States, but it also provides uh, information about research studies that are going on globally as well. And there's also um, another organization called Touch BBC. They do something called um, called uh, We Trial, and you can go on their website, mm-hmm. We Trial, and they have a a whole list of um, websites that you could go on to, and there's breastcancer.org that you could go on. Um, So there's resources out there, but it's really just having the time just to really sit and, you know, try to figure out, okay, what research studies are near me? Am I Mm -hmm. going to, if if I don't have any research studies near me, am I going to go travel four hours away? Some people do that, but, you know, it's, it's getting into research. It's not easy, but once you are able to get in, you know, I think the opportunities are limitless. And if you are also near a teaching institution like University of Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. or Drexel University or Thomas Jefferson, they also do research as well. But it's just a matter of, you know, kind of investigating. And, you know, even though it can be tiresome, think of it as you are investing in yourself. This is an investment within you and your health so that way you can live a long quality life for you and also for your family members. Right. Absolutely. Just investing in life, a long life. Absolutely. So your love for research developed into a passion. We're going to talk about it. (laughs) A new thing, a new beginning. And I'm excited for this because you have been working on this for a long period of time. And, you know, we work together. We are working on, just making this thing really impactful, you know, for the community and even not just in our community of where we are right now, but nationwide. So tell me a little bit about, you know, stand up to breast cancer, you know, just share with us, you know, your mission, you know, how you came about this whole idea of stand up to breast cancer. So stand up to breast cancer, it came about because, you know, as a research nurse, as I was saying before, I just saw that there was a lack of diversity in mm-hmm. the patients that I was seeing enrolled. And so I said, well, what can I do personally 
to help, you know, with this initiative. So I said to myself, I think I want to start something. So I wanted it to be bold and I wanted it to stand out. And so my mission really is to really try to empower women Mm -hmm. or basically or any individual who's going through breast cancer. I wanted to provide them with resources to support them while they were going through treatment because I've seen so many people when they get that diagnosis, it's life altering and Mm -hmm. they really need support. And then I wanted to get awareness about diversity and clinical trials. And so I really was like, you know what, Jess, this spirit of fear that you got going on, let that go, right? let that go. And so that's why I really wanted to start it. And it started off just with, okay, let me post a couple things on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I started seeing people like really responding to it. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, let me keep this going because I may be able to help someone. And so that's where that got started. But my, my mission is really, I don't want to just stop at individuals. I want to impact communities. Mm -hmm. I want to impact families and I want to reach millions of people to really educate them about breast cancer and clinical trials. I really do want to be a change agent Mm -hmm. and really, really, really make an impact on this, uh, this disease because it is so, 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 so needed. And I feel like, you know, I'm getting connected with different people that, you know, we mm-hmm. can make a difference in this. And the mortality rate, you know, with African-Americans, is 41% higher than their white counterparts. That narrative, it's going to change. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. So I, that's where, that's really kind of where my passion lies. I really just want to be a change agent and make a difference because I'm tired of seeing young women dying. Like no woman who is 40 years old and has a young son, they shouldn't be asking their provider. I'm just trying to figure out when I'm going to die. Right. Right. And, and, and and that's upsetting because you don't, we don't really typically think, you know, at 40, 45, you know, that might be, we only got maybe like one month to live. Like at 40, 45, we should be thinking about, okay, what's the next thing I need to do in life? you know, what's the next thing for for my family, you know, planning for different things like that and just thinking about, you know, the future, but to have that mindset, it's, it's upsetting to hear because it's like, I'm, I'm 35. And when I was doing my research, I'm like, wow, like, okay, you know, 40, 45, that's not too far from here. Of course, I don't want to think about that, but even not having that history of breast cancer you also have to still take it in consideration and just, you know, taking those necessary steps. But yeah, it's very upsetting. And I'm grateful for stand up to breast cancer because, you know, as women, black women, sometimes we get attention from, you know, our providers and we don't get that, that empowerment, you know, they would just say, Hey, this is what you have, or this is what you're dealing with. These are the symptoms. This is what you need to take. It's like, but I also need somebody to make me feel that I'm going to live a long life, like really like encouraging me. And I know that may be an extra step, you know, in the job, but it's like, if I'm dealing with something, I need to be in a community or in a group that's really just going to help me uplift me, especially in those tough moments. Because even if it's a person, if a person is in stage four, 
it's like, we don't want them to think about, okay, how long do I have? It's like, no girl, like, no, I'm here to really help you. So I'm, I'm grateful for what you're doing in the community. And there are so many things that are going to happen. So many big things that are happening right now. We can't tell you everything right now, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes for stand up to breast cancer that will be coming full force, you know, to the public and available to everybody. But yeah, so, you know, before we close out, just if somebody was interested in, you know, finding more information about um, stand up to breast cancer, how can they reach you? Sure. So I am on Instagram at stand up to breast cancer. That's the number two. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also available on Facebook, same name, stand up to with the number two breast cancer. And then you can also contact me um, on my website, which will be stand up to breastcancer.org. So please feel free to reach out. You can always message me. I'm really personable. If there's any issues or you have any questions, definitely please feel free to reach out because I'm here to be a resource for you and to power you to be an advocate for yourself and really to invest in yourself because if you're not going to invest in yourself, who else is? So really, really take control of your health and, you know, make sure that you're asking questions like Jasmine said. Make sure you're getting the right treatment and the diagnosis. And if no one is listening to you, you keep knocking on that door until somebody right. does listen. Right, absolutely. And I feel like I'm. we might have to do another episode with you and a couple other people because I feel like we touched on just the surface and you know we can talk about this for hours and I feel like maybe we just have to sit down again you know on this podcast even with some other people that I know um, so we can really talk about health in general some different things that we need to really focus on because as black women we we tend to keep pushing and pushing and pushing till the wheels fall off and we really have to change that we really have to stop always you know focusing on other individuals and giving our energy our time our physical being to other people to the point where we just stop focusing on ourselves like we really have to change some things for our bodies and I know personally I'm even speaking to myself because I can just keep moving and moving and moving and sometimes I may push back on the things that I need to do. But I am a wife. I am a mom. I am a businesswoman with J and Print Designs. And also I work full time. So it's really important that even for myself that I have to listen to my body. And even not just that, but really making sure that I'm up to date on my checkups, you know, my my annual visits, everything like that. So ladies, you know, for those who are listening, pay attention to your bodies. Don't throw yourself in the dirt. If you cannot do it, if you cannot give your energy to other individuals because you may not be feeling good or not just that, if you don't feel like doing it, then that's your business. But really listen to your body, take care of your health, you know, work out. That's what something I have to do better on is working out. But, (laughs) you know, um, drinking more water, just doing the things that we need to do so that way we can live a long, thriving life. Um, so yeah, so that's all we have for you today on this episode. Thank you for tuning in with me, your girl, your host, Jasmine Marie. Stay connected with me on Instagram and Facebook at JM Prints and Designs and check out my website, 
at www.jmprintdesigns.com. So yeah, thank you, Jess, for sitting in with me and sharing your knowledge and expertise. And I got to have you back on. But yeah, also thank you for our listeners for tuning in today. Until next time. 